reading from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 10, verse 8. Aham sarasya prabhava matta sarvam bhavartate iti matta bhajante mam buddha bhava samam I am the source of all spiritual and material worlds. Everything emanates from me. The wise who perfectly know this engage in my devotional service and worship me with all their hearts. Mukam karati bachalam bhagavan tate kirim yakipam tamaham bande si gurum tiltarinam O magyanati mirandasya garanjara shakaya so in, in Bhagavad Gita, there are many things that we learn. They're called principles. The beliefs are ways that we base our life. If we believe this, then we will base our life in this way, just like in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says that you are not this body. Uh, you are a spirit soul. So, and then he gives an instruction, if you actually believe that you're not this body, you are a spiritual being, how will you behave? So right in the beginning, Krishna says, therefore you should tolerate, because things are going to be difficult in this world, and you're a spiritual being, so you need to be able to tolerate. So this verse, there's also a principle. The principle is that everything comes from Krishna. So if everything comes from Krishna and he's the creator of everything, then that means that um, everything is him, then everything belo belongs to him. Whatever we see in this world is his. So everything is his, that means how should we behave? We should take the things of this world and we should use them for his service. So the behavior is given in the second part. The first part of the verse tells the principle, Krishna is the creator of everything, everything comes from Krishna. Second part of the verse tells how you should behave if you know this and you believe this, that Krishna, everything is coming from Krishna. So how should you behave? The wise who perfectly know this engage in my devotional service, worship me with all their hearts. So if you actually believe that, you will be a devotee. You engage everything in Krishna's service and worship him with your heart. Buddha and bhava, with intelligence and with bhava, with emotions, with love. Two things are required. So how to worship Krishna? We were worshiping Krishna today by kirtan. Very nice kirtan. Uh, later, or before this, in the last chapter, Krishna was saying that Satatam Kirtiantamam always chant my names. So today's Kirtan night. That's a way to worship Krishna tonight. We worship him with our, our singing, with our chanting. That's how we worship him. And that's how we worship the Panchatattva. In this age of Kali, intelligent persons will worship the Supreme Lord by engaging in Sankirtan, congregational chanting of the holy names of the Lord. So, tomorrow's lecture will be about the mad mind, if it's friend or enemy. They, I was told to switch lectures. Today will be about the best sacrifice, because it's Harinam night, and the best sacrifice is chanting the holy name, of course. But we will analyze sacrifice and see what we can offer, what is it we can actually offer to the Lord to please Him. 
So oh, how, we have a mad mind. This we'll hear. We'll hear about this again tomorrow. We have a mad mind. Then um, what do we do about the mad mind? Uh, what is the prescription? What does the doctor say about the mad mind? Uh, what is the antidote for a mad mind? Is the chanting. That's how you can control your mad mind. And there's a certain diet also, and that's prasadam. So. Uh, yes, so the restaurant is downstairs in case you want to try that one out. Uh, you can try the prescription, the diet. The diet, we have the prescription up here, and the diet is downstairs in the restaurant, if anybody's curious about the diet. So what are the ingredients for sacrifice? Krishna says in Gita, Pacham Pushpam Phalam Toyam, a leaf, a flower, fruit, or water. And so whatever we see in this world, this is, this is all a part of his universal form, his body. And so what we're meant to do is take the things from the Lord's universal form and purify everything and offer them in sacrifice and take those as the mercy of the Lord. So every herb, every tree, every plant, every weed has a purpose uh, to fulfill in the uh, service of the Lord when you have a Krishna conscious king like Maharaj Yudhisthira, then everything is provided. The earth provides everything. He gave all the fruits, the vegetables. The cow was giving his milk, ahimsa milk, of course. And the rivers, the oceans, the hills, the mountains, the forests, the creepers were also paying taxes to the king. Not only the people were paying taxes, the hills were giving minerals. The trees were giving fruits and flowers, and every, even they paid their taxes because they were also citizens. The, the king had the duty to protect all the citizens, not just the human being citizens. The tree citizens, the animal citizens, they were all protected by the Krishna conscious king. So every, every, even the weeds have a purpose. The Ayurvedic doctors know what is the purpose of all the different herbs and plants. Prabhupada gives an example in 1932 when he had a severe toothache. He went to so many dentists and nobody could cure him. And so finally his servant took him out to the village. And they saw a village Ayurvedic doctor. And that doctor went into the jungle and bought some weeds back, some herbs. And he put the, the weeds to Prabhupada's mouth and all the germs came out and his toothache was cured. And so every plant has, a, has a, a purpose to fulfill. Just like in our body, all of the, hand, the hands have a purpose, the mouth has a purpose, all the different parts have a purpose to serve the whole body so that you keep in health. So the universal form, the, this universe is also a form of the Lord. And every part has a purpose to fulfill to keep the health of the whole body. So just like we have different cells in our body and they help by being healthy, then they help us, the body, whole body to be healthy. So we are like cells in the body of the Lord and we're meant to serve the Lord and so the whole body can be healthy. So the river, for example, what is the function of the river? The river is supposed to give us water to drink. Of course, now all the rivers are polluted, so I don't know if they can give water or not, but previously, um, a few hundred years ago, the rivers were not polluted, and you could get good drinking water from the rivers. 
and uh, so then the the in summertime the water's evaporated and then in rainy season it comes down to the tops of the mountains and then it comes down uh, in rivers so we get uh, according to the nature our needs are provided so how can nature be controlled very interesting um, way to control nature Sri Prabhupada says the way to control nature and to protect yourself is by chanting Hare Krishna which is what we were doing today and he gave the example in Calcutta in 1898 that's uh, over 100 years ago there was a plague a very bad disease and everybody was dying and so they started a Harinam party and they went door to door and they were chanting the holy names and the plague was stopped by this Harinam Sankirtan so very interesting experiment of course we don't want to use the holy name for material purposes but still it's very very potent and very very powerful Siddha Prabhupada is our spiritual master and his spiritual master had some temples and inside the temples lived some brahmacharis and he didn't send them to the doctor he said you just have to sit and chant and that will cure your disease very interesting cure um, you can try it sometime also but uh, actually better to chant without offense and cure permanent, permanently cure your material disease and go back to the spiritual really get a spiritual body so why should we worship the Lord some people the impersonalists think uh, that I am, I am the Lord why should I worship God I am God everyone should worship me and that's why we're here in this world because we're thinking everyone should worship me and we're thinking we wake up in the morning and we think okay how will my day be today we are the center we are the center uh, but the devotee knows that everything is the property of the Lord and he's very grateful he offers out of a sense of gratitude he gets up in the morning thank you for giving me another day another opportunity to serve you to perfect my human form of life to go back to Godhead back to home so one reason to um, offer and sacrifice to the Lord is out of gratitude when we chant also we can chant out of gratitude to the Lord that thank you there's a prayer by Lord Chaitanya that by chanting we clean our heart thank you for cleaning my heart and also by chanting the fire of material life is extinguished thank you for extinguishing the fire material existence so so many reasons why we should be grateful so why should we offer to Krishna he's not hungry is he he's not poor he's got everything why because uh, uh, he's not looking for our things so much he's looking for our love that's what we're holding back and so that's what we need to offer to Krishna he says if you offer me a leaf a flower fruit and water out of love then I will accept it so the devotees understand that they give out of love there is one example of um, when Krishna was here 5,000 years ago there was one very very poor Brahmin who went to visit Krishna he was so poor he had nothing to offer but he borrowed from his neighbors some chira some chipped rice which was very poor quality and he wrapped it in his cloth and he brought it to Krishna 
And while he was there, his wife forced him to go because they were so poor. She said, you ask him for a donation. He's got everything. He'll give you certainly something. And he was so poor and he was in rags and he was very thin and his bones were showing. You know, he looked like these victims of, of drought or something. He looked very, very poor. But when he came to Krishna, Krishna embraced him and put him, seated him on his bed and was fanning him and feeding him and offering arti. He said, oh, you are a Brahmin, I must worship you. You are my old friend. And uh, he gave just, and then he saw, what did you bring for me? And he grabbed this little rice and he popped it in his mouth and he wanted more. And Rukmini, his wife, stopped him and said, no, no, how much you have taken? That's enough to make this man so rich. I have to live in his house now, because she was Lakshmi. She's Lakshmi, goddess of fortune. So if you worship Krishna, if you give everything to Krishna, Lakshmi must stay in your house. You must have everything. So there are four things as described in Srimad Bhagavatam. Four things you can give to Krishna. Pranar, Artar, Diya, Vacha. Pranar means your life. So, you can give your life to Krishna. But if you think, well, that's too much. I can't give my life. You know, I, I need some for myself, too. That's okay. You can give some money. Akta, give a donation. And you think, well, yeah, that's also, you know, I don't have money. That's too much. Okay, next thing is your dhya, your intelligence. You can give your intelligence. How to organize, how to manage, how to spread the movement. How to, make, how to make festivals. You can do that. You think, well, I'm not very intelligent. There's still one more thing left. Vacha, you can give your words. You can chant. You can ask other people to chant. You can distribute books. You can read the books. So four things, your life, your money, your intelligence, and your words. So we chant Hare Krishna as a sacrifice. This is what we give, we're giving here today. Now the preacher, he sees everything in this world belonging to Krishna. He looks at the people and he thinks, oh, they should be serving Krishna. So Prabhupada, when he went to America, he was looking at all the people and thinking, how can I preach to them? How will they listen? How can I make them listen? But he had that desire. He, had, he prayed to Krishna, you please save them. And then Prabhupada said, I desire that they be saved. So because Prabhupada had that desire, he was a pure, he is a pure devotee. That's why we became devotees. That's why we followed him, because of his desire. So Prabhupada had that vision, he engaged all of us. Some of us had money, some of us had no money, some of us were hippies. Others had money. Jayananda gave his savings to Prabhupada to print Nectar of Devotion. Brahmananda gave his life savings when he joined. Uh, he, he was sitting with Prabhupada with a $5,000 check and he gave it to Prabhupada. And he looked at the volume, three volume set of Bhagavatam and asked Prabhupada, can I have those Bhagavatams? And Prabhupada said, that will be extra. <laughs> <laughs> so Brahmananda said it was harder for him to get that $16 because then he was a brahmachari in the temple than the $5,000 which he had worked for and saved up. So <laughs> Prabhupada knew how to engage us, and he was the son of a millionaire, and now he was struggling. So it's very interesting how now our Ambarish, uh, 
uh, the son of Henry Ford, the grand, great-grandson of Henry Ford, yeah, Alfred Ford, who is from the Ford Company, who, who makes cars. He's giving millions for the temple in Mayapur, but not only is he giving, he's going out begging temple to temple to get more money to build that temple. So he's a, he's a son of a billionaire, but he's, he's out begging for Krishna. Can you imagine? I, would you do that if you were a billionaire? Uh, he's, so he's really surrendered. To, he's going out to get money. So another reason why we should uh, offer things to sacrifice and chant Hare Krishna is out of friendship for Krishna. And that devotion is described. There are six ways you can show your friendship with another friend, with another devotee. Offering gifts in charity, accepting gifts, revealing your mind in confidence, inquiring confidentially, accepting prasadam, and offering prasadam. Six symptoms of love shared by one devotee and another. So in a very, very early lecture, 1966, in New York, Shri Prabhupada said, now we have to make friendship with Krishna. If Just like if you want to see somebody very great, you induce, introduce yourself in a loving manner. So we want to go to Krishna Loka, we should prepare how to love Krishna. And we should do these six loving exchanges with Krishna. Give him a gift, accept a gift. Give Voga, accept Prasadam. Reveal our mind confidentially. Just like when I joined the temple in 1970, uh, almost 50 years ago, it was we had a, a regular practice once a week. We would go up in front of the deities one by one and express our mind confidentially and say, this, this week I did this and this and this for you, and I had this problem and this obstacle, please help me. And we would ask for the blessings of the deities of Krishna to go on with our work. So we revealed our mind confidentially and we would get answers to our prayers and Krishna would also give us answers. And uh, gifts to Krishna. So how do, we have to practice how to love Krishna. Get up and so we get up early in the morning. You don't like to but you think okay I'll get up early to satisfy Krishna. Then another thing we chant 16 rounds on our beads and Robert said, you, you, you may be lazy, you may not want to do it, but if you want to love Krishna, then you have to do it. In the beginning, we have to learn how to love Krishna, but after, after a while, we, come to, we love him, and we don't think, oh, I must do this, I have to do this. We think, wow, I can't wait to stick my hand in my bibe and meet Krishna today in the holy names. So... It's something like developing love in our ordinary affairs. Like you have girlfriend, boyfriend, you give, exchange gifts, exchange food. So it's like that with Krishna. He's our beloved. He's our most dear friend. He's in our heart. He's with us. He doesn't leave us. And he understands us. So there's the devotee's attitude is one of, of gratitude, of friendship, and of service. That I want to become one in interest with the Lord. And so the impersonalists, they remain a non-devotee forever because they don't want to accept that somebody is greater than him. But we can understand that. We have to die. We have to get old. We have to get sick. We're forced. 
we can't stop it. So we're not the controller. So one time in London, Srila Prabhupada was arriving at an airport and as soon as the devotees saw Prabhupada, they just jumped on the ground and fell down, offered obeisances, and the reporters were looking. There were reporters there watching, and they were thinking, what's going on here? So first question was to Prabhupada, do you think you are God? And Prabhupada said, spiritual master should be given all respects as God. But if he thinks he's God, then he's dog. So he always thought himself servant. He never said he was God. No, that's the attitude of the devotee. So if you were to look at Lord Chaitanya's lotus feet underneath his foot, you would find a, a mark which is a sacrificial altar. Now, what does that mean? It means the sins of those who meditate on his feet are burned up just like on the altar of sacrifice. Another meaning is that just like the universe is nourished by Brahmana's offering fire sacrifice, those who offer their minds in sacrifice to Lord Chaitanya's feet stimulate universal nourishment. And also the last form, the last, sorry, the last meaning, universe is the form of Krishna, the offering is the form of Radha. So when we offer something to Krishna, Radha and Krishna are united um, on the sacrificial altar. So we offer our minded sacrifice by chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra. That's the, the best sacrifice. And uh, we do this underneath the direction of Srimati Radharani, Daivi Prakriti. Bhagavad Gita says that the Mahatmas, they are under the protection of Daivi Prakriti, which is Srimati Radharani. I live in Vrindavan. And everybody worships Radharani there. You don't hear so much about Krishna. You hear more about Radharani. On every tree, her name is written. And on all the walls, Jai Radhe, Jai Radhe, Shri Radhe. Because to perform devotional service means to follow in the footsteps of Radharani. So then, if we work under her direction, then we will attract even Krishna. So 5,000 years ago, some sages met at Naimasharanya Forest and they were discussing Srimad Bhagavatam. So there we, they were performing a thousand-year sacrifice, fire sacrifice at the same time. And what was their realization? They said, we've done this fire sacrifice, but all that's happening is our bodies are getting black from the smoke because we're making so many mistakes in this sacrifice. But our, happy, our true happiness is coming by hearing you describe about Krishna. So in this age of Kali, your sacrifice is not of fire, but of ears, tongue, and minds in the chanting of Hare Krishna Mahamantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So I'll stop here if you have any questions. You can ask this time. It's Harinam night, so we'll have more, more Harinam. Yes? Will you share with us how you did you meet with Srila Prabhupada? How I met with Srila Prabhupada. Mm -hmm. How did you meet Well, first I met the devotees. 
and I joined the temple before I met Srila Prabhupada. But the first time I met Prabhupada was in the airport in Gainesville, Florida. And he was walking and I was walking behind him. And as soon as I walked behind Srila Prabhupada, I felt for the first time in my life, this is where I belong. Before I never felt like I belonged. I didn't belong in the school, I didn't belong in my family, I didn't belong anywhere. But then when I was walking behind Prabhupada, that's where I belong. And I felt I can do this the rest of my life. Follow behind him. Yeah, I was searching for guru and trying many, many different gurus. But then when I met the devotees, I asked them, what's your process? And said, they said, chant, dance, and eat. I said, okay, I'll try it. And if I follow this, I asked, what can I hope to achieve? They said, if you chant, dance, and eat, prasadam, you will see Krishna face to face. You will see God face to face. So my previous guru said, I would become God. <laughs> but after six months. But I tried. <laughs> I was not successful. So then after, I said, no, I don't want to be God. I want to see God. That would be really good. So, um, yeah, and then I met Prabhupada. And I was with him in India, mostly. I went to, we, went, we were sent to India in 1972. Prabhupada said, he asked for 50 devotees to go. We were chosen from our temple, and we went with a one-way ticket. And basically, I'm, I'm still there. <laughs> I didn't. I go out to, to preach, but I still live in India, in Vrindavan. Any other questions? Mm-hmm. Any question about purpose of name? Purpose of? Chanting. Chanting. So uh, the question is that as you have alluded to, as you chant, it cleanses our heart. Yeah. So, and scriptures also tell us that as cleansing of heart uh, happens, uh, it generates sattva that leads to bhakti, bhakti leads to love for mm. the Lord, mm -hmm. and then you attain the Lord of love. Mm. So, if this is the purpose of name, so my question is, can, uh, can we use uh, chanting of name for someone who is suffering, uh, maybe uh, physically? Or okay, can we use chant? The question is... Can, can we use the chanting of the name for somebody who is suffering? Devotees do do that. They chant their Hare Krishna 16 rounds, and then they chant extra and they donate. Okay, they say whatever benefit is from these this chanting that I have done, please give it to that person. They do do that. Brahmanas, yeah, Brahmanas can do that. They can give their they give their pious activities to others. The results. That will not be considered using name for. No, it's okay. Because actually, um, when you pray for others, then that helps them in spiritual life. It helps their spiritual life. Helps them to become purified. If you donate, if you donate their name, you're, you're chanting to them. That means that uh, they will get spiritual pious activities. There's material and there's spiritual. So spiritual activities is when you, you can do something for the benefit of others like that. You can, like a lot of mothers do that for their children, who sometimes 
like one time, yeah, we, my son and I, we were chatting on Facebook, and I said to him, I said to my son, you know, it, it would be good if you put something into your spiritual bank account, because he was very concerned about his material side. And he said to me, Mom, I'm not worried. I got a joint account with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> because it's true, if you, whatever you do goes, benefits your family. And three generations up, three generations down, if you are just a beginner devotee. If you're a preacher, 14 generations before, 14 generations after, will uh, get liberation. So yeah, if it's a relative, then you just you you just do what you're doing, and that will benefit them greatly. Any other questions? Uh huh. How would you define an enlightenment? Pardon me. How would you define enlightenment? So what is for you enlightenment? What is enlightenment? Yes. Okay. Now, it's good you asked that question. Because different people def defined enlightenment in different ways. Now, if you if you analyze the absolute truth, there are three aspects. One is called Brahman, one is called Paramatma, and one is called Bhagavan. So the first step in enlightenment is to understand the white light, the effulgence coming from the Lord. But if you're intelligent, you'll ask the question: Well, if there's a light, where is it coming from? Just like we have lights in this room. But it's not, they're not just by themselves, they're coming from a source, they're coming from these little light bulbs, and they're coming from the sun. So certainly the white light is coming from somewhere, there is a source to it, and that is Krishna, it's his bodily rays, it's effulgence. So that's the first level of realization, but higher than that is to realize the Lord in the heart, which is called Paramatma, and the yogis, their, their perfection is to realize that Lord in the heart. They meditate on that Lord and to engage in the service of that Lord. Now for us Vaishnavas, devotees, the highest perfection or, of enlightenment is to be transferred to the spiritual world where we have an eternal form either in, in one of four relationships with the Lord. We can be servants, and serve the Lord the whole day. We can be friends and go play with Him in the fields. Or we can be His parents and take care of Him. Or we can be His lovers, His wife or His uh, lover and meet with Him and dance with Him. The friends also dance too. Mothers and fathers don't dance, but the, the, um, the friends and the wives and the lovers, they dance. So that is what we call enlightenment. Enlightenment means to, not something that you take from the outside and put inside, but take out the garbage from inside and realize what's there. What is, uh, we have an eternal relationship with the Lord, with Krishna. And when we chant, it takes out all the garbage and we discover, we rediscover who we really are. And that's what we call enlightenment, to re realize who you really are eternally, spiritually, what is your spiritual nature and what is your relationship with the Lord? That is what we call enlightenment. And then complete enlightenment is when we leave this world and don't come back 
and state in the spiritual world in that relationship with Krishna. That's perfect enlightenment. We can have it in this life before we die, and it will be, but it will be just in our heart. You can see like a spiritual TV. But after that, it becomes we become part of the the pastimes of the Lord in the spiritual world, and we don't come back <laughs> to this miserable world of birth and death. Yeah, we want to get out of the cycle of karma, cycle of birth and death. No more death. Any other questions? Jai, all glories to your Prabhupada. Yeah.